From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is uh, Teeing It Up presents Danny Flecka in his weekly spot. Good morning, Danny. Morning. Um, question for you. The NFL is going to go to three days for the wild card round. Um, I don't like this. I think that um, having a game on a Monday is too much. We're spreading it out too much, too many time slots. And I think that whoever ends up in that slot <clears throat> is going to be pigeonholed into Division Weekend Sunday and probably late Sunday because you can't put them on Saturday. That's a complete disadvantage. So for me... This is sincerely limiting who can play um, in the Sunday slot of Division Weekend and who ends up on Monday night. What do you think about this move? I, I mean, you're 1,000% correct. I mean, whoever plays on uh, Sunday and the following, I mean, on Monday, has to, then, has to then play the following week on Sunday. Um, you can't have them play on Saturday. So you're right. They, they do create a more rigid type of schedule for them in the divisional round. Um, the last thing we need to hear for a week leading up to a game is, like, we didn't have enough time to prepare, blah, blah, blah. So they do that, um, you know, with this move. But, but I get it from their standpoint. You know, the Saturday 1 o'clock slot is a weird time slot, if you really think about it. Um, you know, January, you know, I'm talking about here on the East Coast, the Northeast, where on a Saturday, a Saturday in January, I'm not really doing much. Um, you know, it's cold, it's miserable out. Um, you know, I'm open to watching, uh, you know, football as it is, um, you know, at that time spot. But I think by moving to the Monday night, they sort of keep their traditional schedule alive. Um, that they would have during the regular week, so you sort of just like regular season, so you just sort of extend it out one additional week. Um, I, I think from a, a perspective of a fan like myself, it kind of frees up more time for me where I don't have to spend all day Saturday and all day Sunday watching football, which it, you know isn't something I don't you know something I don't mind. But you know, when you think about other people in your life, maybe you want to have a little more free time, and I think that allows you to do that if you're thinking about it from that way, but um, the, the scheduling conflict is definitely going to be something that comes up, and they have to make sure it doesn't get um, any team in a, in a bad spot. I think one other thing to keep in mind <clears throat> is that um, this is going to hurt the NBA, this is going to hurt National Hockey League, this is going to hurt other sports that are trying to figure out where to put slots and where to put events on that weekend. And especially uh, for the golf fans out there, the problems the PGA Tour has had with both the Tournament of Champions, the Sony Open, and the American Express, and trying to figure out where the heck to put these events to try to get a finish on live TV that people can watch and it's not a conflict. This may free up some opportunities, but it also may limit some opportunities. So that's something we'll be watching from a golf perspective late 2021 into 2022. Danny Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, just, 
be on that topic. Yeah. Like if you're another sport or, or an award show or, or anything like that, you have to know that from Labor Day weekend until Super Bowl Sunday, there's only one free Sunday night spot that you can go and not to compete against the NBA. And that's the weekend between the, the conference championship game and the Super Bowl. So you should be well aware that you're going up against football for five six months, whatever it is, and that you're not going to win that battle. You know, whether you're the NBA, NHL, whatever it is, you're just going to chalk it up as a loss. You know, you have to understand that your months to, to thrive are from February to August, and that's where you need to need to live. Um, you're not going to going to beat the NFL regardless. So, and really, nothing really changes from that perspective either, because. You're still going to have the Sunday night game. You're still going to have, you know, the late afternoon Sunday games, you know, in the conference championship game and divisional round. So, you know, if you're in a TV executive or, or trying to figure out those schedules for those sports, nothing really changes. You know, Monday night's sort of a dead night anyway. That is true. That is very true. Danny Flecka uh, with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, and also hashtag no fall weddings. But that goes without, you know, that's something that we've been talking about for years. <laughs> Unless you're a Jets fan. If you're a Jets fan, can you now attend fall weddings on Sundays? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I haven't watched one second of the Jets. I'm not going to sit here on my, on my throne either because as a Giants fan, there's nothing really to ride home about. Um, but... You know, if you're a Jets fan, you've got to hope that this season is just one of growth, that you start to see some positive momentum, you know, from the team as a whole in the direction they're going in. You know, Zach Wilson hasn't looked great. Um, you know, we, we've heard some reports that he might be injured. Um, some other more concerning reports that I've read are that, like, he's not reading the offense. He's always looking for the big play, which is something that's really hard to coach out of a quarterback, especially a young quarterback that – that's how he's thrived. That's how he's lived his life, you know, playing. Um, you know, I think that's something that would be more concerning to me if I was a Jets fan, you know, and Zach Wilson's development. I know it's only two weeks, uh, but I definitely would keep that in the back of my mind if I continue to watch him to, to throw, uh, play games, throw interceptions, not taking what the offense is giving him. Um, but I think another more another concerning spot is Joe Douglas's, um draft record right now where a lot of his picks aren't playing or aren't on the roster. So, you know, it's a similar situation that the Giants ran into with their, you know, GM that's still going on with them right now. Is that, you know, you can have all the promise in the world, but if you're not supplementing your team week, year after year, then you're really putting yourself in a bad spot. So if I'm you and I'm a Jets fan, I'm just hoping that the first couple weeks of the season are just a feeling out process for a very young team, a young coaching staff. And that they'll get it figured out and get you know and understand a little bit more about how they can develop the team. And now the Jets go to Denver, which is not the easiest place to try to get your first win. On on the Giant front, do you think this is Dave Gettleman's um, job to lose right now? I mean, he shouldn't even be in a job if I'm being completely honest, and that has nothing to do with me being you know uh, a Debbie Downer. It's just me looking at the results that he's he's put out there. Um, I, I would not have brought him back this year. Um, you know, you gave him a, a lot of drafts to, to figure things out. He had, what, the number two pick, the number six pick, 17th pick in one draft, number four pick. And, 
you know, I think his best move was, was trading down this past year. But in the process, he drafted a, a position that you maybe didn't need to with uh, Kadarius Tony. We'll see how he develops this year. You know, it would have probably been better to, maybe, you know, hindsight 2020 for them to sit at that spot, take maybe an offensive tackle like Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern at that pick. Um, or even like the, the guard that the Jets took, uh, Tucker. Um, you know, he's, he's had great draft spots. Hasn't really hit on any of those picks yet. Obviously, the biggest one is is Daniel Jones, so we'll see how he continues to develop. But you know, unless the Giants go 8-9 and nine or 9-8, or and eight, I don't see how you bring him back. And honestly, even if they go, go that route this year and they're able to be that successful, I still would have a lot of trouble bringing him back, especially with two draft picks in the first round next year. You can't waste those, and I just don't trust him to make the right pick. Danny Flecka. With us here on Teeing It Up, um, let, let's uh, switch gears completely. It is now a two-game lead for the Yankees from that second wild-card spot over Seattle and others um, in the wild-card race as the Yankees have now won four straight. They ride Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole last night to beat the Red Sox 8-3. The Red Sox still are sitting there in that... Uh, in in that first wild card spot, you're up there in Boston. A, your thoughts as a Yankee fan. B, the vibe in Boston right now. Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked about the Yankees, and it's a simple situation for them. They just have to win. There's no more analytics that need to go into what they're doing right now. It's a simple, it's a simple thing that they need to win. They put themselves in the spot by losing games to the Orioles that they maybe should not have lost. Um, a lot of blown losses out of the bullpen in general. So this is a simple spot for them. You need to win, especially in these next two series where you're playing teams that you're chasing or are chasing you. You need to be able to put yourself in a spot where I think they go to Tampa and they pretty much have it locked up. They can't go to Tampa, I think, and have to have to battle, you know, for, for the wild card spot. You know, that is, if Tampa wins the division, before they get there, then maybe Tampa takes it a little bit easy and, and isn't really, um, you know, throwing out their top pitchers. They're probably setting up their, their rotation, et cetera. Um, but it's a simple spot for them. As for what the Red Sox are doing, I still think that there's a feeling up here for this team of, of doubt. You know, there's still a lot of talk about what they did at the deadline, their, their mentality after that deadline. Their rotation still it doesn't give a lot of people hope. Um, so if you're a Red Sox fan, you're in a spot, too, here where you need to win as well. But the one thing I think the Red Sox have going for them is they have a good offense. Um, we didn't see it last night, but as a Yankee fan, I was watching that game, and I was like, five runs isn't enough. Six runs isn't enough. you got to keep scoring because, you know, the Red Sox offense is good. We know how those games go at times. And on top of that, the bullpen for the Yankees has been, been trash this year. So... You know, it's a big series. I hope the Yankees take two out of three. That way they're still within striking distance, potentially of having that home uh, game in the wild card rather than having to go on the road. But I think the more important series comes up um, on Monday when they, they have Toronto. Because if you can put Toronto in your rearview mirror and go into Tampa with, again, a, a cushion where you don't have to, to sweep the series, I think that's a spot they want to be in. And I believe that's the first time they're going to face Toronto in Toronto this year. Um, which is 
even more difficult because those fans are desperate to get back in that building and desperate to cheer for that team. And you're dealing with diehard, diehard fans versus sometimes you get casual fans or tourists or whatever. You're getting true, true baseball fans. Makes that a, a, a uh, more hostile environment to deal with. One quick thing on the Red Sox. What's up with these yellow uniforms? I get that I believe they're a tribute to the marathon uh, folks, and I, I totally get that. But that's just not the Red Sox look. Yeah, so the thing was, is it's those City Connect uniforms that, that Major League Baseball ran out this year, and they started wearing them, I think, against the Mets or, or in, like whatever series they had um, like last week, and they started winning. So they kept wearing them because it was um, you know, a win streak for them, a little superstition. I also saw that they applied to Major League Baseball to allow them to wear it during the playoffs if they choose to. Um, and keep in mind here, too, that if they make a run in the playoffs, the Boston Marathon is being run in October. Mm, um, good point. And, and um, because of the pandemic, they're, they ran, they're running it in October, I believe, on what was Columbus Day. Uh, I'm not really sure the, the politically correct term for what that day is anymore. But I believe they're running it that Monday. So if they make a run into the playoffs, we could see those jerseys appear again. Um, but I knew I know that they did um, apply to the league for, for exemption to wear them in the playoffs. Uh, Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up. All right, we've got seven minutes to go through a whole bunch of football stuff. So let's, let's see where, where uh, we can go with this. Number one. We always talk about both the impact of Clemson losing and Ohio State losing and who that opens up a slot for. Well, lo and behold, Penn State beats um, Auburn and, and did it in really impressive fashion. So the same question I asked you last week, I'll ask again. With Penn State winning, if they can run the table facing both Ohio State and Michigan, is that good enough? Is that impressive enough to impress the committee and get themselves in, or is this a team that needs to go undefeated, needs to win the Big Ten title, and needs to do all of that stuff, and then get help from somebody else losing? So it'll be interesting. It depends on, on I think, where Ohio State ends up. You know, obviously, if they beat Ohio State, I think that knocks Ohio State out. Um, they still have, like you mentioned, Michigan, Ohio State. I believe they travel to Iowa as well, not to mention the Big Ten championship game. If they do that, and they go undefeated, they're in. I mean, you're, you're talking about quality wins against in a quality Big Ten this year, which is looking like one of the stronger conferences in general. Um, you know, they're in a big O undefeated. There's no doubt in my mind. If they lose one game and still make the Big Ten championship game and win the Big Ten, that will be an interesting conversation depending on how the landscape looks after, you know, conference championship weekend. But... They still have a gauntlet of a schedule left. Um, it's going to be tough for them, I think, to, to beat both Ohio State and I think Iowa are the big two road games left. Um, I think they might have Michigan at home. Don't, don't quote me on that. Um, but if they, they do that and they go into the Big Ten championship game undefeated, depending on who their opponent is out of the, out of the other division in the Big Ten, they're probably in. Um, but a lot of it depends, I think, too, on what – what happens with Ohio State, what happens with Clemson. I still think those two teams, regardless of um, you know where they are, they're still going to get the benefit of the doubt just because the committee, I think, is just so used to putting them in. 
um, that, that they're going to let them, you know, ride that, that wave until they absolutely put themselves out of the conversation. Um, so, you know, a two-loss Ohio State or a two-loss Clemson team, I, I still, you know, probably is out. But, you know, we have to then see, too, what happens with Georgia. You know, Bama, Penn, you know, everyone thinks that they, they have a potentially, you know, chicken in the armor. Um, you know, We'll see. There's still a lot of football to be left, and two big games this weekend. I think that they're going to determine that. Are you know Arkansas A&M and and Notre Dame Wisconsin. You know if Notre Dame stays undefeated and you know A&M wins, you know then we we have other teams that are throwing their hat into that conversation. So we'll see what happens after this weekend with two, with those two games. You know uh, playing out. Uh, indeed, the Boston Marathon is being run October 11th, which is Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day. We'll let, it, we'll let the folks out there um, give that the name that it wants, but, but, that, but uh, that is correct. So I just wanted to uh, sure up that one. Uh, quickly on, on this Notre Dame squad, is this a team that's good enough and deep enough to make it deep into the playoffs? So I think that they need a lot of things to go right for them. You know, I've been concerned with their offense. Um, they, they aren't getting big plays, even though they have some really good players that can provide that for them. Uh, I think their defense is a little suspect as well. Um, they did lose a ton of talent to the NFL over the last couple of years, and you know they're in a spot where they need to reload a little bit. The offensive line, though, is what's giving me worry. Um, you know, that's usually been a strong point for them. Hasn't been this year. They have some depth issues as well on on the line, so it's a little concerning, you know, for me. You know what I've seen out of them, um, but I think if they win this game against Wisconsin, then they play, uh, you know, Cincinnati next week, and those will be you know two big wins for them if they're able to get over that hump, and then you know they'll, they'll tackle the rest of their schedule, which is still pretty difficult. I think they have games against North Carolina. Um, Virginia Tech, which is never going to, which is not an easy game when you're going on the road to Lane Stadium. So, so we'll see what they do. But there are some concerning points for this team, and I think a lot of it has to do with with them up front. You know, they need better play out of their line, both offensively and defensively. Uh, Danny Flecko with us here on teeing it up. Um, we're going to flip to the NFL, and the game that I want to ask you about. Um, I know that Tampa. LA is getting a lot of publicity um, and look Green Bay San Fran in prime time okay that, that's a nice matchup whatever I want to talk to you about Saints and Patriots because it's an interesting game in the context of the Patriots having the Tom Brady reunion next week now they face a New Orleans team and you've got the whole Jameis Winston experience versus Mac Jones. What is the vibe in New England about Mac Jones? I, I think I think it's a vibe that they want to see more out of him. You know, they've gotten two decent performances out of him. I think the next step for him is to, is to see if they can open up the playbook a little bit and take some shots downfield. I think the Pats are in a tricky spot here. You have a tough game against a team that got their butts kicked last week. Well-coached team. You know, Sean Payton's not going to roll over. What is the mindset of this team going into tomorrow when they know the following week, Monday from Sunday night 
all the way through Sunday, the following Sunday night when they have the Bucks visit. But the conversation is going to be about Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. And it's already started. We've seen Alex Guerrero come out with stuff. Tom Brady's father keeps opening his mouth and chatting up, uh, you know, what, what his boy Tommy was, was treated like up here in New England the last couple of years. The distractions are there. I think this, this next two weeks really will define the past season, to be honest with you, because if you get a big win against the Saints, even if you lose against the Bucks, you're, you're sitting at 2-2 two and two with 13 games left to play. You're probably proud of the progress your team has made, knowing that you've had, you know, you're playing a really good team next week. If you lose this week, next week's almost kind of a must-win. Um, and can this team, can this quarterback handle that, that type of pressure? This team, to me, isn't built to be in a shootout. They want to play things close. They want to be able to control the game, allow their defense to make plays, you know, run the ball, control the clock. So this people are overlooking, I think, this week's game. And if you're the Pats, you can't. You, you can't overlook a Saints team that is going to come into Gillette and probably not be afraid. They have a good defense. They have Mar- Marshawn Lattimore back uh, for this game. So if you're the Pats, this week's game might be even bigger than next week because if you lose this week, you're staring at 1-3 and three, um, head on and need almost a perfect performance, I think, next week to beat the Bucks. So, um, you know, the, the vibe is is that everyone's looking to, to next week, but I wouldn't look past Sunday, and I think that that might be, you know, more important of a game for them than next week is. Um, by the way, there's 14 games left after this week, and I know <laughs> we're we're, we're going to have these problems all year, Danny. Where we're going to think that there's you know a, a 16 game regular season, we got to somehow <laughs> adjust each other. <laughs> this is going to be like I cannot wait for an announcer to be like they got a chance to go 16 and 0, and then somebody else goes, "Well, there's a 17 game regular season. If you want to go undefeated, you have to go 17." Some math issues. Yep. Hey, it happens. It's Saturday morning. Uh, Real quick, is there anything else uh, wetting your appetite? Yeah, I think it's an interesting week uh, of football. I know the college slate's a little light this week, you know, with big time matchups, but I think the NFL has a lot of intriguing storylines this week. Um, you know, Justin Fields making his first start. I think that Tampa Rams game should be a good one. San Fran and, and, you know, um, Green Bay, you mentioned some intriguing matchups, some good storylines that I think are going to set us up for the rest of the year. So we'll see what happens. Danny Flecka, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. Of course, my man. Have a good one. You got it. And thank you all for listening.